Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. We're in Psalm 38. The scripture says that David was a unique man. It says David was a man after God's own heart. Even though he wasn't perfect, we read about him that he was tender. When he sinned with Bathsheba, even though he tried to cover it up and didn't want anyone to know, by the way, the Bible says, whatever you do in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. You can't hide your sin. As much as you think, oh, no one will ever find out, I have news for you. If you live long enough, you find this out, right? Sin just has a way of just coming out. People do their best to hide it, but David describes how this sin affected him on the inside. Some of the things that it did inside of him, I just want to point them out to you tonight from this psalm, because some people... They say, well, I don't know if this is really a sin, what I'm doing. I always tell them there's an easy acid test if something is a sin. You just have to remember, would you do this with Jesus right there in the room? If you want to know if something's a sin or not, that's pretty much the bottom line thing. What would Jesus do? Would Jesus do that? But David had sinned. And this psalm, let me read to you verse 1, Psalm 38 says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your wrath, and chasten me not in your burning anger. For your arrows have sunk deep into me, and your hand has pressed down on me. And there is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities are gone over my head, and as a heavy burden they weigh too much for me. My wounds grow foul and fester, and because of my folly, I am bent over and greatly bowed down. I go mourning all day long, for my loins are filled with burning, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am benumbed and badly crushed. I groan because of the agitation of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before you. All my sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails. The light of my eyes even has gone out from me, and my loved ones and my friends stand aloof, aloof from my plague, and my kinsmen stand afar off. He describes it interesting. He says, the sin has weighed me down. It like bent me over. It made me just hurting in my body, in my bones. And he describes even there was pain in his loin. Now, we don't know if he, if he is describing, you know, some sexually transmitted disease he got. And when he's saying I had pain in my loins and I, you know, suffering in my body, and I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, when Christians try to get away with sinning, how the Lord has a way of giving them a little quick correction so that they don't get deceived. Some people in the world, they'll sin and nothing will seem to happen to them. No bad will befall them. The Christian goes out and has one indiscretion and all of a sudden they find out, oh boy, I've got this terrible thing. I, I just slept with this person one time and all, and I got this the sexually transmitted disease. And I'm like, you can't fool God. David says here, his folly has brought something to him. Did you see that? He says, my wounds have grown foul and they fester because of my folly. David said, I've committed folly. In other words, I played the part of the fool. I knew better than to do this. But see, isn't it interesting? He would confess in this Psalm that he knew better to do this. And now... He's getting the consequence of what he did wrong. By the way, I don't think that confessing that you did something wrong and you got, you received the 
a punishment for it is a bad thing to hide, especially if you're an older man teaching younger men. Because younger men, they need to recognize you can't fool God. You could fool everyone else and you could think nobody's going to know and nothing will ever happen. But as you get older, you realize, have you ever fooled God? Ever once pulled one over on him that he did not know what you were doing or, or you got away with? No, he knows everything. Well, David was honest. He said, I'm receiving in my own body the pains of my folly. I have my wounds festering. I have my bones hurting inside. And he says, they're not healthy. And my loins are filled with burning. There's, he said, there's no soundness in my flesh. This sounds like David got something pretty bad for his folly. But see, David goes on and he says, and I'm benumbed. I'm badly crushed. And I groan because of the agitation of my heart. So he says, Lord, all my desire is before you. All my sighing, it's not hidden from you. you. You hear every sigh I make. He says, and my heart throbs. My strength fails. My uh, The light of my eyes even has gone from me. And my loved ones, when you walk in folly, in sin, your loved ones go away from you. It's just one of the fruits of being a person that commits acts of folly. Not only will you receive a penalty in your own body, but look at the relationships it destroyed for David. He says, my loved ones and my friends, they stand aloof from my plague. My kinsmen, they stand afar off. You know, even my relatives, they're just back away. Get away from David. He's done something wrong. And our sin has a way of messing up those intimate relationships that God desires for us. Now, David says in verse 12, those who seek my life, they lay snares for me. And those who seek to injure me have threatened destruction. They devise treachery all day long. He said, but I'm like a deaf man. I do not hear. I'm like, I'm like a mute man who does not open his mouth. And yet I am like a man who does not hear and in whose mouth are no arguments. In other words, I didn't open my mouth to defend myself. But look what he did do. This is where the psalm shifts from, here's what I received for doing my folly, to let me show you what God does when I turn to him. Look at verse 15. For I hope in you, O Lord, and you will answer, O Lord my God. For I said, may they not rejoice over me, who when my foot slips would magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to fall and my sorrow is continually before me. For I confess my iniquity. I am full of anxiety because of my sin. But my enemies are vigorous and strong. And many are those who wrongfully hate me. And those who repay evil for good, they oppose me because I follow what is good. Do not forsake me, O Lord, my God. Do not be far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. David says, I confessed my iniquity. Now, what's it say in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9? If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. So if we confess, he forgives. And David says, I cried out to you, Lord, make haste to help me. In other words, hurry, come help. Are we allowed to cry out to God, hurry, I need your help? Oh God, come help me, I need your help and save me. David knew God was truly his savior. He knew who to cry out to. Interestingly enough, 
when he was receiving these penalties in his own body from his sin, it wasn't just something that affected his, his physical body. You know, there's one part of this, verse 18 declares, that really points out something that some people don't understand that sin has an effect on them. It says, David said, I confess my iniquity to you. Why? He said, because I am full of anxiety because of my sin. When you get anxious in the mind, there's some people, they get anxious in their mind and they don't even recognize what the cause is. David says, I am anxious. I'm full of anxiety because of his sin. One of the nice things about walking as best you can, just walking before the Lord and not not deliberately walking in an area of sin is your anxiety level goes down. It's a beautiful thing about serving the Lord. When you follow the Lord and you, and you confess your sin, the Lord does this beautiful thing. Jesus taught us about anxiety. In fact, he spoke about how we have this habit of worrying about stuff that we don't know about. We worry about tomorrow and the next day and a week after. And some professional worriers go farther, a month, two months, a year from now. Some, some of you are worrying about three years from now. We're not even done with today. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, he said, don't be anxious for tomorrow. He said, today has enough cares of its own. In other words, we don't need to worry about those things. This day, we only have to do one day at a time. Just one day at a time. Don't be worrying about tomorrow. Jesus said it will take care of its own. But we have this part of us that, that worries. And when we get into sin, when we get into sin, we tend to worry even more. We worry and become more anxious about more things, even on today. And then we, we certainly worry about the things tomorrow and the next day. And the sin produces in us anxiety. And David recognized it. You know, isn't it beautiful that he was willing to write this down and say, you know, my sin produced in me a fullness of anxiety. I was, I was filled with anxiety because of my sin. But when we confess our sin and we ask his forgiveness and he forgives us, what does that do for that anxious part of our spirit? Just goes, oh, your peace, Lord. Jesus said, I give you my peace. My peace isn't like the world gives. He says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to thee. And his peace surpasses all human comprehension. His peace isn't predicated on our circumstance or what we're going to have or not have. His peace is predicated on that he'll be with us no matter what the circumstance. We read that in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for thou art with me. You know, when we remember the Lord is with us, it takes that anxiety level. It, it just turns the knob down and we relax because we have the Lord with us. One of the best cures for anxiety I know, when you have a friend that's anxious about things, you have to remind them that the Lord is there for them. The Lord says, I'll never leave you, right? I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always to the end of the age. But we forget when we get into sin, I believe we just default to this default of, uh-oh, I'm on my own now. Another psalmist wrote, is my sin what has separated me from thee, O God? If God is far away, guess who moved? It certainly wasn't him. It's you. You get into sin and it makes you feel 
that distance. Oh, he's so far away. And as soon as we get a little bit away from our Heavenly Father, our anxiety goes way up. So what does David end this psalm with? Verse 22. Oh God, make haste to help me. In other words, come back. Make haste. Hurry. Come here. And what's the last line of the psalm? Verse 22. Oh Lord, my salvation. You know, he's saying, God, come save me. Come back. Come back. I've been in sin, he says. But my sin, well, it had a horrible effect on his body, had a horrible effect on his relationships. And even his enemies, did you notice in the last part of this song, his enemies took this opportunity to plan their, their assaults. I mean, they really ramped up their attack. Whenever, whenever David was in sin, that's when the enemy tries to hit him. Have you ever noticed that in your own life, that when you get into a little bit of compromise, that's when the devil tries to really hit you with something else or throws another monkey wrench in the day that you have and you're thinking, why now? Well, because he sees you're alone. And the Bible says the devil, it says he roams the earth. He, he roams around like a, a roaring lion. And what's a roaring lion? What's he seeking to do? To seeking to find someone to devour. And the devil's a pro at this game. He knows how to, how to get what will entice us. He, just, he's not, he doesn't even have to, why does he have to be original? He already knows what the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, that's what John says, or those things in the world in 1 John. And he already knows how to use all of those areas, how to put out temptations that will tempt us in all of those areas. If it's not broken, he doesn't fix it. He just keeps tempting and tempting men so he can get them into sin. But David says, this is what my sin brought. Brought pain to my body, destroyed my relationships, and it gave my enemies an opportunity to really go, aha, let's get him. Now he's already down. And David says, when they did that, I didn't open my mouth. He said, my mouth was like I was mute. You know, I acted like I can't talk. And my ears like I can't hear. Now, I just want to read you the first couple verses of the next psalm. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 39. And I said, I will guard my ways that I might not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle while the wicked are in my presence. I was mute and silent. I refrained even from good and my sorrow grew worse. My heart was hot within me while I was musing with the fire it burned but then I spoke with my tongue. Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the extent of my days? Let me know how transient I am. Well, remember what the Psalm, what Moses wrote, Psalm 90, he said, my life is but a vapor. And then I fly away. In Psalm 90, he says, but if we live 80, 90 years due to strength, he said, it's nothing. Our life is still but a vapor. And then we vanish. David said, Behold, you have made my days as a hand's breadth and my lifetime as nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. There's such a shortness to life. So David, knowing that there is such a shortness to life, he described why he was mute when his enemies came in. He said, When my enemies came in, he says, I have to guard my ways that I would not sin with my tongue. I have to guard my mouth like with a muzzle. 
sometimes I wish I would have guarded my mouth with a muzzle when my enemies came in because, you know, I got suckered into the oldest trap there is. The devil loves to draw you into, you know, a debate. He likes to get you into his argument. He's a little rascal. He knows how to prod you and poke you. And any of you experiences somebody who just, they had the gift to annoy you. And they come and they, they just kind of like needle you. They keep poking at you and poke. And they're verbally taking little jabs at you. I think David might have got suckered in this. This is why he knows that he had to put a muzzle on his mouth. Do you ever win by getting involved in these arguments with a fool? No. In fact, the best thing you could do is listen to David here. And just put a muzzle on your mouth. If only I would have known when I was younger that it would have been better to zip my lips and turn the little lock and throw away the key. When the enemy comes in and starts doing that, I would have just been so much better to copy the wisdom what David is saying. He said, I have to guard my ways. I got to learn when to shut my trap. Now I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he's saying. When I got to learn when to shut up because it's a, it's a way to guard your life. If a fool comes and starts to provoke you, you got to know. This fool is just doing it to sucker me into this argument. And, and even if he gave the best answer, they're not going to follow the answer because they already know sometimes the very right thing to do, but they just don't do it. And that's what, by definition, makes them a fool. And they'll sit there and go, come on, do you really think you should follow God and do this and do that? And you're thinking, this is a loaded question. They're, and they don't even want to know. When the fool comes and starts blabbing and trying to draw you into the argument, when they come around, just don't engage. Just just be quiet. Some of you have. You, you had parents who loved you and cared about you. Maybe a grandparent that taught you. That guy comes around and he starts flapping his jaws and trying to get you into it. Just be quiet and walk away. Because that's about all you can do. And David is describing what to do. There's great wisdom in this psalm. Psalm 39 here really tells us, he said, the fool's going on picking the fight. And he says, and my sorrow is growing worse. And in verse three, my heart, it was hot within me. It was musing with fire. It was burning. You ever felt like that inside? They're just really cranking you up. Like they just know how to poke the furnace, don't they? They like really know how to turn the setting to high and they just keep throwing fuel on the fire. They want to get you and come on, fight with me. And David, he said, I had to just go, Lord, make me to know my end. What is the extent of my, my days? Let me know how transient I am. You know, the answer to having to deal with people that poke at you is to remember how long are you going to be down here on this earth? What he's doing is giving us perspective of life. How long are you really going to have to be down here? I mean, if you do live 70, 80, 90 years, it's but a vapor. It's just a breath. Our life is just a, a short period. And he's putting in perspective of life. You know, sometimes I notice that's why older people have a lot more wisdom when it comes to getting sucked into these arguments. They, got, they did this, I did that when I was younger. I don't, don't go there anymore. Someone starts to try to provoke them, and they just they just have that gentle little smile like, I've already been there and done that. They just turn their head, walk away. And I think, I don't like it that our culture tries to take the older ones and take them away from the younger ones. I know we're here in the Regency retirement home, but I was raised in an era where 
the older ones stayed around the young ones. We were around our grandparents until they died. We got to be close to them. And there's some things you can't learn except by a good model. You need someone older to show you how to do this that has the wisdom to be quiet when the fool is trying to take those pokes and you watch them. Well, the rest of this psalm is, a, is not too long. If you don't mind, I'll just read it. In verse six, it says, surely every man walks about as a, a phantom, an image, we're nothing. And surely they make an uproar for nothing. For he amasses riches and does not know who will gather them. And, and now, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope, he says, is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. I have become mute and I do not open my mouth because it is you who have done it. Remove your plague from me. Because of the opposition of your hand, I am perishing. With reproofs, you chasten a man for iniquity. You consume as a moth what is precious to him. Surely every man is a mere breath. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my cry and do not be silent at my tears. For I am a stranger with you, a sojourner like all my fathers. Turn your gaze away from me that I might smile again before I depart and am no more. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the big island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.
Yeah.